Tuesday afternoon is the time we crack open a, a health discussion. We do that with the ever smiley, effervescent Peter Mullen. G'day, Peter. How are you? I, I like that crack open, crack open a health discussion. Well, it sounds friendly, doesn't it? It, it sounds, does. It sounds like we could be having you, a beer or something. You could become the beer and barbecues guy around here. <laughs> yeah, we could. We funded could do that. by funded by you. Yeah, of course. It's worth a try. Oh, we've got that on tape, kids. Yeah. All right, today is SIBO causing your gut problems. So, quick opener on that, Pete. Well, SIBO, um, is, it's interesting. Like, um, if you think you've got IBS, there could be an explanation. And SIBO could be one of the reasons why you actually have IBS. So, the good news is that it's something that can be tested for and treated as well. So, yeah, don't just sort of sit with the diagnosis of IBS if, if it could be something like SIBO going on. Question, it's on uh, every, or on Peter's lips anyway, is SIBO causing your gut problem? Peter, let's just go back to the very start of this. What indeed is SIBO? What, what is this thing? Well, SIBO is, stands for small intestinal bowel overgrowth. And what it means is that we have trillions of bacteria live in our large bowel. So we have... As you know, a brief um, um, biology lesson. So we've got our esophagus, our stomach, and then we've got about 20 feet of small intestinal tract, a small intestinal or small bowel. And then we've got, you know, four foot to eight foot of our large, maybe not eight foot, maybe four foot of our large bowel. So predominantly when we talk about the microbiome, we're really talking about the bacteria in the large bowel because that's where most of the bacteria live. But we do still have bacteria live through our small bowel as well. So that's the normal happy balance. And, um, you know, the bacteria in the small bowel help us to digest our food and keep our gut healthy as well. Now, what happens with SIBO, and it happens a lot with people that get maybe chronic constipation, and we'll go through the causes in a little while. But if someone's chronically constipated, what can happen? Bacteria from the large bowel can actually grow or travel back up into the small bowel. So between the small bowel and the large bowel, you have what's called the ileocecal valve, and that's like a valve that should be one way that um, you know liquid liquid food stuff should be able to travel through before in the large bowel it's formed into you know poo waste. and we mm. you know, waste yeah and we get rid of it. So if that valve's working well, we shouldn't see any bacteria really from the large bowel come up into the small bowel. Okay, um, so some of the symptoms that if uh, if we've got these, this might be a bit of a, a bit of a warning that SIBO was on the way. Yeah, well, basically, it's a lot of your symptoms of IBS. Um, so this is what I was saying in the opening that you know, oftentimes SIBO can be one of the causes of IBS, but if you have IBS, doesn't mean that you have SIBO. So some of the symptoms of SIBO, as I said, very similar to. Um, and the problems, problem with SIBO is it affects the whole functioning of the gut. It affects the messages going from the gut to the brain. It gives you all the side effects or side problems that we associated with an irritable bowel. Bloating, constipation, there can be alternating constipation and diarrhea, um, reflux even, cramping, wind, um, low nutrient levels. You know, and that's such a common thing we see when we do testing for um, you know, nutrients like iron. Iron's probably the most common nutrient deficiency in the world. Did you know that? I do now. <clears throat> Followed closely by zinc, but no one ever talks about how important zinc is. Anyway, a little bugbear of mine. Uh, malnutrition, uh, vomiting, nausea, weight loss, fatigue, and then it can link to all sorts of, you know, anything we associate with the gut, eczema, asthma, 
um, even mood disorders such as depression and anxiety. So that's a, a whole range of, of different symptoms there. There could be symptoms of quite a few things, but certainly could be linked to this SIBO we're on today. Yeah, one of the big issues with SIBO is that if you've got bacteria from the large bowel growing up or traveling up into the small bowel, when we eat like our normal diet, like anything that's got starch in it, these bacteria have a party, and that's what creates a lot of the symptoms of SIBO. So a SIBO diet, which we'll get to in a little while, is about trying to remove starches, and these starches can be even in your healthy foods, like fruit and vegetables have to be restricted initially on a SIBO diet. So... That, that, that's a, now that's a tricky little you know side point, isn't it? Because you can be eating all the good stuff, but if in this case you need to try and work backwards and eliminate it a bit. Yeah, yeah, and it's even um, like an example of a SIBO type of diet. Although the SIBO diet itself is actually stricter, again, is the FODMAP diet. So you know the FODMAP diet mm. where we've got starches, where we want to avoid foods that have these large sugar type molecules called fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, maltitols, and polyols. Have you done this entire <laughs> topic today just so you can say that? Yes. I think so. Yes, just to show my cleverness. So the problem with the, the reasons we want to avoid all those large sugar-type molecules in that wide range of foods is, again, because they're going to be fermented or digested by these bacteria in the wrong area. So mm-hmm. a FODMAP diet will definitely help someone with SIBO, but sometimes you've got to go a bit, dive a bit deeper again. Talking SIBO today, and Peter, um, we'll want to look at some of the causes. We mentioned some of the symptoms, you know, everything from bloating to weight loss to via nausea, reflux, constipation. But what are some of the causes that SIBO might be on the horizon? Well, look, probably the first thing to say is that the body is pretty remarkable at keeping all these things in balance. You know, we have more bacteria in our gut than we have cells in our body. We've spoken about this before, but it all keeps... You know, the body has learned over the billions of years to keep it all in check. So the body is pretty good at preventing these these, um, conditions that we'd associate with being out of balance. So one of the things that the um, body has as a protective mechanism is um, a good acid secretion in the stomach. Um, We have um, the peristaltic action of the bowel wall itself. We have immunoglobulins or immune complexes in intestinal fluid. And we also have, as I was saying, the valve that normally allows the flow of contents into the large bowel but prevents them from refluxing back into the small valve, bowel. So that's the ileocecal valve. Um, the cause of SIBO is usually complex um, and likely affects more than one of the protective mechanisms listed above. But there are a number of risk factors that have been um, indicated as well. So number one is low stomach acid. And unfortunately, as we get older at 50... You're not 50. No, nowhere near it. I'm over 50. But at 50, it's normal to have half the stomach acid production you did when you were 20. So Mm -hmm. straight away, you've lost a bit of protection, even when you're eating food, that, you know, bacteria might get through the stomach that normally shouldn't. So generally, just in in that regard, like just the moving through the stages of life, you become more exposed to it by virtue of that Greater risk factor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, If you also have an irritable bowel already for other reasons... Um, if someone has long-standing celiac disease or Crohn's disease, um, increased risk for developing SIBO if you have diabetes, um, if you've had multiple courses of antibiotics. Um, a big factor I find is people that have had a chronic history of constipation. So irritable bowel, constipation is a form of irritable bowel. And in my 
experience, chronic constipation is actually a lot harder to treat than chronic diarrhea. That I I can I kind of get that I think yeah yeah yeah. So if you've got if someone's got chronic diarrhea, they've if the bowels blocked up, they're much greater risk of um, mm-hmm. bacteria moving up into the small intestinal tract. Um, two more risk factors are that are interesting, and that's moderate alcohol consumption. Um, uh, so a lot, a lot will be not unhappy about that because you didn't say the increased alcohol consumption, just that moderate, what you consider every day okay, okay quote unquote, use. Well, no, heavy alcohol use has long been recognised, but a new study has found that there's an association between moderate alcohol consumption defined of, and I don't know how they talk about this, mm. but as up to one drink per day can increase your risk of developing SIBO. For women, that is, and two drinks per day for men. Um, alcohol seems to have different or affects several of the normal protective mechanisms, causes can cause injury to the small bowel mucosa, contributing to leaky gut, decreasing the muscular contractions. Um, also, alcohol may feed a few of the bad types of bacteria. And also with the pill as well, someone on the oral mm-hmm. contraceptive pill, they seem to be um, greater risk of developing SIBO. Okay, lots to think about there. We'll continue that discussion in a couple of moments. Heading to the phone now, Brian at Swansea Heads. You've got a gut question for Peter today. Good morning. afternoon, Brian. Good afternoon, yeah. It's um, relating, um, I lost my wife. Hey, Brian, I'm just going to get you to take us off speakerphone, mate. Otherwise, you'll be uh, echoing uh, all the way around there. So need to have the phone on normal, mate, if you can. That'd be great. Um, your question for Peter today in relation to the gut, Brian. Okay. Yeah, look, um, I lost my wife 18 years ago um, to uh, a gut problem, I think. Um, she was in John Hunter, and uh, she had what they called entriococcus. Um, not quite sure what that was. Uh, I was wasn't given too much information. Was it pan- uh, pancreatitis? Enteriococcus, uh, I believe. Oh, enteriococcus. So it's a bacterial infection. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's what they said, that's what your wife passed her from, from an infection in the bowel. Well, it, it had a, a, an ongoing effect. She had a, a heart murmur, and so it, it, the whole yeah, thing okay. just affected her well-being. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that. Like um, those bacteria in the bowel, if they, for whatever reason, get outside of the bowel and into our system, um, can cause all sort of manner of problems, particularly if there's a weakness there. Mm. Thank you. Thanks for your call, and I'm, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, thank you so much for bringing that to us, Brian. And, and I guess that's kind of what you've got to talk about with a lot of these things, things that sort of that, that are housed in the gut, and then it sort of just sort of seeps into our regular system can cause a lot of ongoing problems. Yeah, look, absolutely. And actually one of the things that happens when people have organ failure is that like their gut wall, because the, it's such a fine balance of keeping those bacteria mm. in the gut, the gut, yeah. the, the tensions that keep it all in place, the bacteria sort of cross into the system and they can cause a whole host of issues. So. Wrapping up with Peter Mullen today with health and well-being, is SIBO causing your gut problems? Well, Peter, we've had a look through it. What causes SIBO? If we know that we've got it, what are some of the things naturally that we should be considering to uh, to have a look at? Well, just before we go there, Mark, um, we can just with... sing and dance for us. <laughs> I could, but probably no one would listen if I was singing, um, and they couldn't see me if I was dancing. So that's true. Probably... So 
good and bad on both. Um, just the, probably the most common symptoms of SIBO, and I had a lady in just recently me recently to see me, and it's um, bloating. You know, people that feel bloated yeah. like a lot and they can't seem to work out exactly what that bloating is, particularly bloating that's associated with constipation. They seem to be the two big things I'm seeing with SIBO okay. patients is where they've tried everything and they just can't get to the bottom mm. of why they're so bloated. So from all the symptoms that we spoke about uh, a few minutes ago, that one is probably the, the, the one two, that highlights the most. Yeah, they're the two major ones that I'd see. If we're there, what can we do about it? Well, first thing with um, SIBO, and this is the tricky thing about it, is it can be diagnosed. You can do a breath test, and it's where you um, drink a certain solution and then you blow into a bag, and then you send that bag of your breath away to get tested. Um, Unfortunately, with SIBO testing, there still seems to be quite a few false positives. So you've still got to keep that in mind as well. So so you could be being positive to SIBO according to the test, but that might not be what's actually going on. Yes, so you sort of got to rate it back to your symptoms a little bit as well. Now, the way doctors treat SIBO is with antibiotics. Mm Mm-hmm. And the problem with using antibiotics, though, um, some studies have shown that if people are treated with antibiotics, they often have a high rate of recurrence. And the antibiotics also then knock around your good bacteria in your large bowel and in all the small bowel as well. Um, So one study showed that natural remedies were as effective as three rounds of antibiotics. So there's a lot can be done from a naturopath point of view. Um, So... In a chronic condition, so SIBO, you know, as, as a naturopath, you know, we always focus on treating the underlying cause, um, but treatment does take patience and perseverance. And it's centered around correcting the root cause of the bacterial overgrowth as well as the growth itself. So if someone's prone towards those bacteria coming up in a large bowel, if someone's suffering from chronic constipation, and keep in mind, SIBO can cause chronic constipation, you kind of have to fix that motility with the bowel as well. You can't just take antibiotics and kill the bugs and think that you haven't, if you haven't resolved the chronic constipation as well. So you kind of got to treat the underlying cause as well. So there's three, three main stages, three main steps that we look at. Number one, starve the bad bacteria, feed the good bacteria. So this is where we'd look at either like a FODMAP diet or if we needed to go to a SIBO diet, which cuts out even more of your starchy vegetables. Um, so, you know, cutting, cutting out sugar, alcohol, dairy and gluten. Um, instead, focus on intake of, as I said, but low-carb veggies, high-quality proteins, good fats. A couple of quick low-carb veggies that will be high on your list? Uh, that's a really good question, actually. Broccoli, I think, okay. is okay for SIBO, um, but may not be okay for the FODMAP diet. So you've really got to sort of pick and choose a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, work out what's going to work for you. Um, now, step number two, so we want to starve the, starve the bad bacteria, feed the good bacteria. Step number two, we want to try and knock down the load of bad bacteria. So we use herbal, what we call antimicrobial medicines that are much gentler on the gut but can knock out the bad bacteria. And you also want to then work on correcting your gut microbiome, particularly in the large bowels. So you want to make sure you take the right type of probiotic because some probiotics may actually make SIBO worse. Um, to increase the good bacteria in your gut, um, as well as then increasing your your prebiotic foods as well. Um, And the other thing that seems to make a difference with SIBO is not 
overeating. So rather than have three big meals a day, having four or five smaller meals spread throughout the day seems to help take the pressure off the gut as well. What I find amazing is looking at some of these tips there. They're actually not bad tips to sort of, from what we hear from you quite often, Peter, they're not bad tips to sort of get on board with generally. Well, look, with the gut, I always recommend um, everybody every year do at least a two to four week gut detox and cleanse, which is just basically a healthy eating program, but maybe a program of what we call weed, seed and feed, where we might take something to knock out or knock down the wrong types of bacteria that might Mm -hmm. overgrow in our gut. Um, repair and heal the gut wall and then do a course of you know putting the good bacteria back in so every year we should probably do a reorganization of our gut gut function all right lots uh, to, uh, to take on board there but some good advice uh, as always uh, peter mullen naturopath extraordinaire thank you for your time <laughs> thank you mark lovely to see you all right health uh, and well-being back next tuesday after midday right here at 2nurfm 103.7 thanks for listening to this podcast from 2nurfm at the university of newcastle topics range from gardening to health well-being pet care finance business and travel you'll find them all at 2nurfm.com